Uh, we've talked a lot uh, here on the show about the opioid crisis, and a lot of discussion has been around the toxic and deadly drug supply that has flooded North America. Fentanyl, of course, completely changed opioid use into deadly. It's not the only synthetic drug out there. There are others, and they've changed everything about this over the past several years. So to get some insight on where we stand with that and what we need to do to get a better handle on it, we're going to chat now with Sam Quinones, who is a journalist and author. His latest book is The Least of Us, True Tales of America and Hope in the Time of Fentanyl and Meth. Sam, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so when we take a look at this situation, I mean, we're talking about synthetic drugs primarily and how they've changed things. They're not really, they're not brand new. I mean, they've actually been around for a no. number of years, right? Oh, sure. Um, in fact, a lot of synthetic drugs have been around for, for many years. We don't, however, we haven't, however, seen the supplies of the of the kind that we're seeing with two in particular. One is fentanyl, which is fairly new on the scene. It's a synthetic opioid. By synthetic, I mean, of course, uh, drugs that are made without any plants involved, just uh, chemical reactions and that kind of thing. Uh, And then the other drug is is one that has been around for quite a long time, but has been been produced in in much larger supplies in the last several years, and that's methamphetamine. And so these one is, uh, fentanyl is, of course, an opioid, a, a, a depressant. Um, meth is a stimulant, but both are being produced out of Mexico in quantities that are just, um, you know, just just staggering, really. So the fact that we've switched to uh, the prevalence of synthetic, um, how does that change it? If if the, one of these people that's producing it and transporting it and distributing it and things like that, how has it changed what they do? First of all, uh, well, first of all, they are the, the the supply itself is 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 a massive change, mainly because. Because it's no longer made by, they're no longer really a plant-based drugs. Uh, they they make them with chemicals and 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 they make them year-round, no seasons. You know that's one of the benefits of making yeah. synthetic drugs, and you can make them according to the amount of chemicals that you're able to procure, and they are able to procure all, virtually unlimited um, uh, supplies of chemicals from several ports on the Pacific coast of Mexico, two in particular, about two day drive south of Arizona, you start getting to these ports and through these ports, they're able to procure the, the enormous quantities. And what that means is, um, well, it means all kinds of things. It means, first of all, the price is lower than ever. Um, they have covered in the, certainly in the United States, uh, these drugs have essentially covered, effectively covered the, the entire uh, country with the in the case of methamphetamine, which has a long history in the country in various parts of the country, it's now in many areas that never had enough before. It's really pretty much all over uh, uh, the country, um, and and on top of that, the price has dropped by eighty percent. So not only is it kind of covered the entire country, it's cheaper than ever, and with um, prevalence and, and and very low price comes widespread. Um, use and and in areas particular in, in areas all over the country, yeah. but in areas it's notable in areas where there really was no meth, like for example New England, places like that, where you really don't see meth uh, until a couple of years ago. So um, it's it's creating new uh, new kingpins in a sense. So anybody can be selling quantities of these drugs that that to a narcotics agent would have meant five ten years ago that they were real kingpins. Now it's like pretty much commonplace for any 
kind of you know just general schmo to be selling this kind of stuff in 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 pounds or kilos instead of you know ounces or grams yeah i mean we see that right we see busts um with you know of just homes and things with like massive massive amounts of these drugs right exactly the other thing that fentanyl in particular of course has done uh has changed uh, the overdose uh situation and that means it's that overdosing is far more common, far more deadly when it happens. Um, and, um, and it's also being added, because it's so cheap and it's so potent, um, it's being added now to other drugs. One primary drug is cocaine. And um, you get the question an awful lot, well, why would people add a drug that is so potent might kill their customer? To a drug that, to like cocaine, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is the opposite. A drug, a, a cocaine is a stimulant, a fentanyl, a depressant. Well, it's because frequently what what ends up happening as you add that to your drug supply, as you a dealer add that to your drug supply, eventually you get an opioid addict, and an opioid addict has to buy that drug every day. Really, in the case of fentanyl, uh, a couple, three, four times a day, um, perhaps. Whereas with cocaine, it might be occasional. Uh, purchase maybe on weekends, maybe you take a break from it for a while, that kind of thing. So it's almost like a business expansion or customer expansion move to do that. Of course, what you end up doing too is exposing a lot of people who have no no tolerance to to fentanyl to extraordinarily potent this extraordinarily potent drug, and that's why you're seeing record overdose. Uh, one of the many reasons why you're seeing uh, record overdose uh, rates in the United States recently. What about um, what's gone on over the past couple of years with COVID-19? I mean, we if there's one thing you know about um, drug dealers and kingpins and the rest, they're, they're tremendous business people, and they will find a way to get their product to market and to get it sold. Um, they always do. What's the pandemic meant for them? Have they had to change the way they operate? Well, in some cases, yes. It's, uh, uh, I would say that the pandemics, one of the great tragedies of the pandemic is that at the very, it happened at the very moment when the trafficking world out of Mexico achieved this dubious achievement, unprecedented achievement, which was essentially to cover the country in, in, uh, in these, two, in these two, two drugs. So that means that, means that people who are using drugs or people who are in recovery were isolated. Now, anybody in, in addiction recovery tells you the first thing is do not isolate. Be around other yeah. people. Be working with other people. And, but people found themselves alone at the very moment when the drugs on the street were the most dangerous, the cheapest, most prevalent. Uh, we've ever seen. At the same time, though, uh, in Mexico, they were switching um, in the way they packaged a fentanyl, essentially. And what they began to do in 2017 and, and, and expanding almost geometrically ever since is to create um, phony counterfeit um, pills that look very much like branded pills like Xanax, Percocet, Lortab, Norco, uh, opioid pills, um, uh, so Adderall at times in within these pills is really nothing but, 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 but fentanyl. Yeah. And so at the very time, so we're, they solve the, they're producing these pills and they're just colossal by the millions. And so where do you sell your drugs in a time of COVID when everyone's indoors right, yeah. and no one's outside, you do it uh, on social media, Snapchat, Instagram. And so that becomes, has become the new street corner during COVID. Really? So they just, they're using social media. I mean, what are they, yeah. is, is it just sort of re- almost advertising, I guess, right? 
Exactly. They're putting up menus of pills. Wow. And these are advertised anonymously on Snapchat and these places. Um, menus of pills, very colorful. A lot of times, who are you talking to? You're primarily talking to them, uh, kids, uh, kids from, you know, who, who have spent most of their last year and a half, two years uh, on their phones. That's their connection to the world. And, 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 and frequently, this is the very lowest, I would say, it's kind of like the street corner version of drug dealing. It's not, you're not selling kilos worth of these pills. Yeah. You're selling five at a time, 20 at a time, maybe, maybe three at a time. But in fre- frequently what we find is that these dealers are offering to uh, home deliver. Uh, these guys, these dealers, usually in most regions, it's, the, it's, it's kids who are not much older than the kids they're selling to. Yeah. You know, it's it's just um, it has become the new the social media app, particularly the couple I've mentioned and a few others have become the new street corner. Essentially, you know, it's where you go to get your dope. And essentially, the problem is that many kids, I think, have not understood that what they're buying is not an anti and maybe you look like an Xanax, but it's not an anti-anxiety. Sure. It's not a a painkiller. It is. It is a fentanyl, and it is uh, extraordinarily deadly, and um, and it comes in quantities that you're really never quite sure of. You know, it's a, who knows how much actual fentanyl is in this thing, but whatever it is, it's likely that the kid buying it doesn't have much tolerance for it. Yeah, and doesn't have a clue what they're getting. So, so as a guy who's no, been not ri- at all. has been writing about these issues for so long and sort of documenting this change and seeing the way that it adapts and um, you know just spreads across the continent the way that it does, what is the solution here? I mean, we've tried. We had our war on drugs, and we know that was an abysmal failure and didn't take us anywhere. So, what? what how? I mean, do you cut this off at the source? What do we do? Yeah, these are great questions, and probably don't have time to get fully into. This is a complicated. An- these are complicated answers. I would say, however. That first of all, the war on drugs, um, to the extent it failed, it failed because not because we used law enforcement, but because we only used law enforcement. There was no we were really saying, cops, you fix it. Yeah. And really, this is a societal thing that this involves uh, a churches, houses of worship. It involves chamber of commerce, universities. It involves hospitals. It involves a lot of. And we have done a lot, at least in the United States, I would say. I think the key root cause of all this is that we have done so much, in, at least in the United States, to destroy community, really shred the bonds that kind of kept us unified and together um, and working with each other. Even though it was messy, even though we maybe didn't like each other, it was, it was certainly a more unified and connected country back then, even though today we have this technology that supposedly connects us uh, in unprecedented ways, which is true. But the other hand, it's, it's really kind of a false connection. It's not that human face-to-face connection, which we evolved as a species to really prize above all other, all other things. I would say that as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a hemisphere, as, mm-hmm. a, as a North American group of countries, if we could put together a free trade agreement that involves Mexico, the United States, and Canada, then we ought to be able to put together an effective uh, um, um, a tra- treaty that, that governs, um, that, that looks into addresses, not governs, but addresses yeah. um, these kinds of, of, of drugs. And that would also include, by the way, um, uh, the guns that are bought so easily in the United States and then smuggled south. I mean, a lot of the impunity that traffickers in Mexico enjoy is because of the corruption in Mexico and the very um, shredded, I would say, criminal justice system that they have in Mexico. But a lot of that, too, 
is is ensured by the fact that they have the a, a vir- a virtually un, un, unstop well unstopped so far unstopped uh, a source of weapons uh, coming out of out of the United States in small quantities. It's not like big truckloads right. of weapons, but it's a constant kind of drizzle of weapons south. And I believe that that is a major reason why they are able uh, to produce the quantities unmolested. The, the quantities of drugs that they're, they're, they're clearly able to produce today. Yeah, and, you know, and I think, Sam, the thing is, you know, time is of the essence here. I mean, uh, hundreds, thousands of people dying every single day in North America because of this, and it's not going to get better in, unless we do something to make it get better. So we need to move fast. Uh, I, I would say so. I would say that this, is, this ought to be, if, if we're not COVID in the, in the picture, this would be clearly the, the number one domestic issue. It is just... Yeah. It is ravaging communities all across the country, um, and it and it's uh, all across the continent. I would say, and it's a disaster for Mexico. Even though the drug use is less, only slightly less, I would say, but it's less in Mexico than in the other two countries. It is it is a disaster for Me- for Mexico uh, 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 as well. I think we have not really got our minds around the idea of what it actually means, what the global economy actually means. It means a, a far more, a far deeper kind of collaboration internationally than we've actually been able to get our minds around. And I think particularly with three countries as different and as disparate as Mexico and the United States and Canada, we, we need to figure out ways of, of moving forward on this. I would say the traffickers frankly, have allowed us a real, like a, a, a real opening because they now rely, they rely on these chemicals. Yeah. And these chemicals are coming in only, for, they don't come, you know, it's not like they're, ev- they're coming through everywhere. They're coming through a few very narrow ports that are easily uh, 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 addressed. They sure. don't come over land, they come over ships. And so I would say that that is allowing us all, but particularly Mexico, an opportunity to get really serious about uh, curtailing that. It, will it go? Will it go somewhere else in the world? Very likely it yeah, will. Yeah, sure. But that's just what you do. You you work on what you have to work on now, and and you move to the next problem once it once it arises. But I do believe that with with only a few ports in Mexico, there's maybe six or eight ports that are really seeing this this um, enormous uh, supply of, of chemicals. Uh, it, it offers a real great opportunity to really shut down supply. And when, and, when, and when you do that, you offer an opportunity for people who are in recovery. You give them a breathing a distance, a breathing space between them and the dope. So there's greater opportunity for success in treatment once you're able to distance yourself from um, from these drugs. Yeah, from the substance itself. Sam, great discussion. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but I really appreciate you joining us today. On the contrary, anytime. Thank you for the time, uh, for, for the opportunity to speak with you. You bet. Thank you so much. That is Sam Quinones, who is a journalist and author. His latest book is The Least of Us, True Tales of America and Hope in the Time of Fentanyl and Meth.